Hello everyone and welcome to this episode which is about property rights. Keegan had been um, itching to talk about it uh, and hopefully we did a good job. We did a dense job I think because we started off by wanting to explore what Keegan has learned over the past couple of months. Well, we, we spent a lot of time defining term. We, which I think was quite important yeah. um, and that sort of led to us exploring what property rights is in the way that we understand it um, and yeah we had we had a lot of fun with it uh, the, the beginning parts of it and I think even the middle we did sort of go off on lots of tangents but hopefully you will enjoy that it's not new that we go off on tangents um, but we again we did this in the episode too and we encourage you again in this introduction to reach out to us if you had any opinions and perspectives that you wanted to share with us about what we discussed in this episode and every other episode um, and it would be awesome if if you like this episode recommend it to a friend ask them to check it out we honestly at the our goal at the end of the day as we again define at the end of this episode of recording is we really want to understand each other and grow together and grow the what we think, the core of the way that we think and what we think about. So that's that. So enjoy the, enjoy this episode. It's on property rights and reach out to us if you have any questions and comments. All right, let's dig in. The thoughts and opinions expressed by Keegan Francis, Margakshi Palwi, and the guests on the GoFull Crypto podcast are solely their own and are not intended as financial advice. The content discussed is for informational purposes only. Hey, Murga. Jumping oh. right in here. Okay. Uh, this, this episode's, we're going to talk about property rights. Yeah, you've been excited to discuss that for quite some time now. Yeah, since like October or September. <laughs> uh, but just one thing led to another and we were, we've been all over the world and... Uh, well, I suppose in a couple of places, but uh, yes, property <laughs> rights. It's, so I've been like researching this topic for uh, for years now, and more specifically since like 2020 ish, uh, because like in inflation gets very heavily tied into the conversation of property rights and property in general. So Does it? It, Define property rights. Yeah. Okay. That's that's a a good starting point, actually. So uh, I've listed a bunch of points that I want to cover, and like we may or may not get to them in this episode. But I thought that we'd start by defining property and then defining property rights. Okay. Uh, let's do it. Right. So property is actually just information. Uh, like the knowledge property is information. Yes. Can you elaborate? Absolutely. Uh, the knowledge that I own something is only useful to other people that know I own it. So if I'm walking through the woods and I stop, the knowledge that you own something is only useful to other people if they know you own it. That's right. Yeah. It's it, like property is a shared understanding of who owns what. Okay, hang on. So yeah. when somebody says property or I read the word property, the first thing that comes to my mind is a piece of land right. or a structure of some sort, um, you know, a building or some sort of infrastructure yep. um, made out of concrete and stones and cement, whatever. Yep. A building. That's right. I do not understand what you mean when you say that property is information. Well, the, each of those things that you just mentioned, uh, land, building, 
whatever it might be, a house, all of those, the ownership of those things is recorded on a deed. Yes. And that that deed is simply recording information. Uh, It's a deed of ownership. A deed of ownership. That's right. And that that is actually all that that information represents. It just says who owns what. Um, So if I'm walking through the forest and I stumble upon land, I have no, (laughs) no, no, well, I'm right. (laughs) Sorry. Right. (laughs) If I stumble upon land that someone else owns. Okay. uh, If there's no markers, no property markers, I don't know that they own that land. Okay. Right. Am I violating their property? Am I trespassing at that point? If I don't have malicious intent, like if I'm on someone's property and I don't know it's theirs, um, like it's kind of a trivial example, but it uh, illustrates the the point that property is simply the information, right? If I don't have the information that that property is some belongs to someone else, then uh, like I, well, <laughs> then what? Then, then you're just walking in the forest. Right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So we can define property as information, but we can also define a different kind of property. And I call that implicit property. Okay. I think that property can have several definitions. Absolutely. Okay. And this second definition um, or second way to think about property is uh, really like one of my favorite ways to think about property. And that's you like you you your body and your mind and your thoughts those are uniquely yours and your property so this is actually almost a better starting point for this conversation because it it lays the groundwork for uh for property as information uh, because like no one questions whether or not uh you own yourself right you just do i mean we haven't met someone who questions <laughs> that i'm like, I feel like there might be one person out there, an outlier of sorts, but I, I see what you're getting at. No one questions the ownership of that you have over yourself. That's right. Yeah, because you have total and complete ownership over yourself. Now, this didn't actually used to be the case. That's true. Right? Like, we used to have slavery. So, it, in a way, um, even your body can be owned. But if we can go one layer deeper than your physical self and say your thoughts... And your mind are the most fundamental piece of property that you have. That's the most fundamental thing that you own in the universe is your thoughts and your mind. No one can take away your thoughts and no one um, can can steal your thoughts without your... Well, they just can't steal your thoughts. They don't even... You, it doesn't even matter if you give them permission to steal your thoughts. There's no technological capability yet. to do that yet. Yes, that's a, that's a really good point. <laughs> Big old caveat there, but <laughs> yet. Um, the reason why this is important is because we can start to talk about the violation of property, right? One of the worst things that anyone can do to someone is give them a memory that they can't later take away, that they can't get rid of, right? And this is a really crude example, but uh, assault or, or rape, for example, like if that is done to someone, that's a memory, that's, that's property that you have, property as thought. That you have that you can know that you can never get rid of and that that's one of the worst things we have law, very good and very um rightful laws that you know put people in prison if they implant bad memories into people that's that's what assault is that's that's what rape is like that's why we have laws that punish people for that is because it's one of the most grievous things that one human can do to another um and so that's that's kind of where I like to start with respect to thinking about property 
and then thinking about violation of property rights. Okay, can you define what property rights are now? Yeah, I would I would define property rights as uh, as boundaries, actually, like borders that are set by the authority. Um, and now we need to talk about authority. Yeah, who is the authority in this case? Right. So the authority is the entity with the biggest stick in the room, and I use that kind of metaphorically, um, like in. Uh, prehistoric times or hunter-gatherer times, pre-colonial times, you had territories, right? And those territories were governed by um, some sort of king or, 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 um, or tribe, right? And whoever was the one in the area with the biggest stick, with the biggest army, with the most amount of force, they could protect everyone else in that area. Protecting everyone else comes down to property. So, like, you want protection for what? Well, I want protection for my body. I want protection for my family. And I want protection for the fruits of my labor. That's where, that's kind of why we get a state actor. That's why we get uh, one entity that takes control and, and uses force to protect against outsiders. Because the outsiders want property. That's what they want. That's why they're there. They're either there to conquer the land and charge taxes and or take the property or the fruits of the labor of the land. Okay. Right? So then property rights arise out of what the authority recognizes as able to be owned by the individuals in, in that land. So the authority here, there's two prongs to authority because there's one prong or one um, fork of authority that determines these laws and uh, kind of establishes and enforces these rights, and then there's another prong that records them. Records like so, the politicians will record them, and then the no, military no, no, would no, enforce no. them. Uh, no, not really in that sense. But if we're really talking about land in this case, then there's say a, a government or well, let's just say the government yeah. that that says that okay, well, if you want to own land, then these it is your right to own land, and That's right. if you were to own land, this is how much tax you have to pay. This is the process that you have to go through. They kind of just lay out the process, but then there's an enforcer of that, um, of that law or of those, that, rules. Of those rules yeah. yeah and that's the uh i'm not really sure what the institution would be called but that's the where military. you go no not well not military i'm really just talking about a simple uh transfer of ownership from a previous owner to the current owner oh, okay. and that's like the third party that keeps track of who owns what and that's, that's not necessarily the the institution that makes these rules and laws in the first place yeah that's exactly right so okay so now we have property rights, or we've loosely defined um, the different kinds of property that exist, and then the rights that one has to that property, and the people or third parties necessary to enforce these rights. Now what? Well, now we can talk about why why property is actually nice to have. Um, and before I have a question yeah, though. Yeah, so what made you curious about property rights at all? I, I remember that like since October or since at some point last year, I think in the fall, you were super excited to do a podcast on property rights. But that's all that I heard you say. Yeah. Like I just heard you say property rights. I never really heard the reasons why. So what is 
if you can summarize in one sentence, why do you think that it's necessary for us to do a podcast on property rights? Because I got obsessed with the phrase taxation is theft. I got obsessed with the phrase inflation is theft. And I, th I think just saying that it's, um, it's not enough to just say you really, yeah, it, you need to really explain it. It sounds like kind of out of context it, it's totally because out of context. it sounds very extremist for me to it just does. hear it. Yeah. Like taxation is not necessarily theft because taxation is also defined as the rent that you pay to your uh, government to, you know, have the right to live in that country and, and be un protected by it and be protected by it and live under its laws and regulations and et cetera. That's right. So like maybe over taxation is theft. Like there's probably, you know, like a couple more things that you need to add to that sentence mm. for that sentence to make to give some sort of information. Yeah, and, and to be clear, I, I don't necessarily think taxation is that. Like, I don't agree with that phrase as such because like you rightfully pointed out, it lacks a ton of context, Yeah. right? Uh, like over taxation might be theft. Uh, and then like, but taxation itself is, uh, like I'll tell you where, where people that say that um, are coming from. They're coming from the perspective that if you don't pay your taxes, then then if you don't pay your taxes voluntarily then the government will come and take your property that okay. that is what happens and at that right. point is it theft and that's that's another open-ended question there. yeah again requires so much more context right because like okay the government's going to come and take my things now but if they it's take not my always things... the government either right like maybe with respect to taxation but we have foreclosures um I can't say all the <laughs> time, the but yeah, but they exist because yeah. if you default on your mortgage, you're essentially unable to pay off the loan that you promised to pay back to this third party that lent you the money. So now they, they have to own your property. Yes. Okay. So, but foreclosures and any kind of property seizure from the bank is actually enforced by the law, which is the government. Sure. So, but, so this is the third party thing that we, we like, um, I, and yeah. uh, I talked about earlier where there is an enforcer and there is a, a maker of laws and regulations. Yeah, that's right. So you said that the, the two phrases, taxation is theft and inflation is theft. That's what you said, right? Inflation yeah. is theft? I, I do I do think, for the, for the record, I do think inflation is theft. I don't necessarily think taxation is theft. I think taxation is necessary and required. I think inflation is actually just one of the most insidious things that I've ever learned about. We'll okay. Get there. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good, but just to sort of uh, provide a counterpoint to that argument, there, I'm not sure if inflation necessarily is theft. I I, I really can't agree or say that, that I can agree to that sentence if it's said just by itself, like inflation is theft. Um, period, and there's nothing, there's no context as to why that is the case. Right. Yeah. But okay, go on. So that's what led you to the curiosity of. Um, reading up more on property rights and now we're doing this podcast. Yeah, yeah, here we are. Um, <laughs> again, I have lots of lots of points. Yeah, let's uh, go through your points. Yeah, the, okay, the reason why property is important and why private property is important is because people take better care of the things that they own. Uh, this is a pretty well-demonstrated and well-known fact of society. Uh, like, Having being able to own property leads to not only an increase in wealth for yourself, but an increase of wealth for those around you and the people that will inherit your wealth later. Sure. I would add just maybe uh, two more words to that sentence. People 
What did you say? People take care of the things that they own. The things that they own and care about. Yes. Oh, and care about. That's actually really important. That's <laughs> yeah. a really important addition because, like, going back to your body, if you're self-deprecating or if you're a nihilist and like, and you don't want to take care of your body, um, right? You don't want to take care of the most fundamental property that you own. Um, that is detrimental to you, but that's also detrimental to to those around you. Um, like it's it's painful for me to see friends who are damaging themselves somewhat intentionally, but somewhat more like pathologically. Um, but like caring is not necessarily the reason yeah. why they're doing that, but it, it kind of addresses that missing aspect of taking care of property that you need to care enough about the property in order to do it. Um, and there's also the, the like, see the property rights conversation is so big because it all we can also talk about how much is too much property for one person to have. Yeah. And then I would also say that it's not always ownership that people take care of things. Um, or people, people don't always care for things that they own. There's so many stories of, uh, people self selflessly devoting their time and money to, um, various institutions in society for the betterment of others. So like, all of these sentences without an elaboration or an attachment of some sort of context, yeah. they just kind of sound bare and unrealistic. Yeah, ab absolutely. Which is why we're doing a podcast about okay, it. And we're, cool. we're covering these corners <laughs> because it is a, it's a broad conversation um, and it's really high level, but it's also very primal. Like we've had property and property rights in our society basically since the beginning of... Um, of countries or nations or tribes or like one of the not necessarily rights though but we've had property we've had property right but not necessarily the recognition recognition of that property as such as belonging to you and belonging to me um like i would argue that like only in the past two or three hundred years have we really developed highly sophisticated property rights uh, like property rights are, are one of the founding principles that America was founded upon. And I, I don't think that they're embodying property rights now because the, the, so the closer you get to communism and socialism, the further away you get from protecting property rights. Because like if you've, if you've gotten so far down the communism and socialism uh, rabbit hole, uh, like as a country or as a nation, then you are taking things from other people and you're redistributing them to another group of people okay i need you to define your perspective your definition or, or sorry what is your definition of communism and what is your definition of socialism right so so socialism would be the taking uh, like the the general taking care of and the well and the providing the well-being for uh members of a society citizens of a society that is socialism that is the socialism by the state by the state actually really important Okay, socialism is the state taking care of and providing the for the well-being of the members of that society. Right. And communism is, I would define that, um, like it's, it, it, communism is weird, right? Because you've got a spectrum, right? Like, you've got a spectrum for everything. You've got a spectrum for everything. But like on the, the furthest end of the spectrum for communism, if you've had a, have a purely communistic society, um, I would just define that as everyone having um, equal uh, equality of outcome. So no matter what effort you put in, uh, you're going to get uh, an equal um, share of the fruits of the labor of the entire society. 
but someone has to legislate that. So it's not everybody. It's like everybody except the party responsible to regulate that behavior. Right. There does need to be an actor. An enforcer or an, an enforcer. actor. Exactly. That, Is that, that necessary in all types of communism? I think it's not. I think it's only um, necessary at at the level of communism implemented at, at a multi-million person or multi-billion person level. Okay. So I think communism works optimally at uh, at the family level, at the, at the unit of the family. And I think you can argue that communism also works at the unit of the tribe or um, like Dunbar's number of 150 people. I can envision a society where every, there's 150 people. What's they, Dunbar's? Dunbar's? Who's Dunbar? Dunbar, I don't know who Dunbar was, but <laughs> I know Dunbar's number. Dunbar's and that's a 150. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dunbar's number says that you can have 150 meaningful relationships. Not that you can know up to 150 people, but you can have 150 meaningful relationships before it gets really difficult for you to have any more than 150 relationships. Meaningful relationships or just relationships in meaningful general? Meaningful relationships. Okay. Yeah. So like I can imagine a commune where there's 150 people that all take care of one another and like uh, one person is a lumberjack and the other person is a is a smith and one person is a lawyer and the other person's a doctor, right? And So it's just specialized um, members of a community living together to produce um, an equitable outcome. An equitable outcome. That's correct. Yeah, absolutely. Like uh, communism is all about equi equitable outcomes. And I think that works great on small scales. I think that history has more than demonstrated that that does not work at all on the large scales. Okay. Yeah. Um, a note to everybody who's listening <laughs> here, uh, right now. We would love for, for you to engage with us totally. when we talk about things like this. Because I find that... Topics such as communism and socialism, they just there's so many definitions out there, and I think a that polarizing which, topic. it's a yeah, it is a polarizing topic. But I believe, and I think he can believe too, that every um, ism of sorts has a spectrum of definitions and beliefs. So if you have a different definition than the one that we just explored over here, let us know. Either reach out to us, or depending on the podcast application you're listening on, comment below. Um, and, and we'd love to just engage in a conversation with you because we want to explore our thoughts. Yes, we do. I want to, like, I welcome being wrong. I like being wrong. And challenge our thoughts too, yeah. Because that's how we grow. Yeah. Okay, cool. So let's get back to um, property rights. Yeah, so... I, so we define communism and socialism yes. because... Why did we do that? <laughs> um, because we were talking about uh, inflation as theft, not, and I was right. talking about like the further you get into socialism and communism, the less the, the society respects property rights okay. or private property rights. All right. Um, and like, again, I'm going to bring up this caveat again. Uh, like, what is too much wealth? Like, when, when do you have so much property that you can't care for it, all of it, right? Like, if, if I'm sitting here saying that private property is great because if you own something, you take better care of it. Well, how, just like you have Dunbar's number with 150 meaningful relationships, what's the amount of money or property um, or ownership that you can have before you don't take care of the things as well as you could have if you had less of it? You know what I mean? 
And like that's again, that's such a an interesting conversation to explore because it's always it's not really always ownership, right? It's also like ownership and things that you care about because we you can like someone can own a bunch of stuff and just not care about it hence not take care of it right um and someone cannot own something and still take care of it like um like the environment for example exactly like the environment well i think that's one of the issues with the environment is like we don't feel a sense of ownership over it mm, no i don't N- think not so. like people uh, maybe for some people yeah. i i just can't I, I don't think that feeling a sense of ownership but i, I but even then you know like we survive on this planet because of the way that it is designed to help us yeah. live. <laughs> True. So I'm not even sure, but I'm sure we can come up with some sort of definition of ownership that would uh, entail that we do have ownership of this planet, but just not in a property rights sort of enforced sort of manner. Right. Yeah. And and it's, it's, it's a co-ownership as well. Yeah. Like we all, well, this is, this is one way to think of it. We kind of have an equal share in the planet each each person like like i i believe that and i believe that like even if you own two acres and i own one acre we still have an equal share in the planet as a whole um so like even though that i know that's like a little nonsensical because even though we can divide up the planet into these plots of land called acres and you can have more than i can have uh like we still have a mutual um responsibility to take care of the planet as a whole I don't think that example <laughs> makes okay. very much sense. Um, so let's just actually get back to... Yeah, we're detracting want, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, we are. So let's get back to inflation and how that relates to property rights. Yeah. So, okay. In order to understand why I think inflation is theft, we actually first have to define money in relation to property. Money is a claim on property. It's an open claim on property. so it's... No, I don't get that. Okay, well, let, let, let's dig in. Money is an open claim on property. Yes. Money is the medium through which you can acquire property. That's right. But I don't understand how money is an open claim on property. So if anyone wishes to sell their property, the thing that they will want for it, in 99 times out of 100, uh, not all cases, but you know, just most of them, they're going to want money. That's what I mean by open claim. So if you have money, you're, you can exchange it for any other thing in the society that you might want, any good or service. So money is a claim on saleable property, let's say. Instead of just property, saleable property. Property that is able to be sold or ready to be sold. Okay. Okay. Now, in order to understand this next part, we need to understand that there's not a cap. There's not a limit on the amount of money in existence. It's divided by infinity, right? Um, no. No what? No, I don't get that. Okay, so if money is a claim on property and... I, you know what? I actually still don't get what you mean by money is a claim on property. Okay. That, that sentence just doesn't make sense to me. Um, Can you elaborate on it? Can I elaborate? Is there like a, a different question? Claim. There's the word claim. Like money is a claim on property. Well, what do you think of, what do you think money is in relation to property? Um, what definition of property are we using in this sense? Um, a good or a capital, a capital good. Because like, you know, we did define our own bodies and thoughts as property as well. And money, like you can't really, well... Hopefully yeah. in this day and age. <laughs> Buy people. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Hmm. 
Yeah, which which does happen, yeah. unfortunately. Very sad circumstances. Uh, and yeah, let's not get into that. But um, money is an open claim on property. Yeah, on saleable property, let's say. Uh, so like the, the property has to be for sale in order for you to claim it with your money. By claim it, I actually just mean go and address whoever owns that property and say, yeah. I have this money, you have that thing, I want that thing, I here's would, this money. I would revise that statement to property is claimable by money. I'm 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 okay with that. That okay, sounds cool. great. Okay, cool. That just makes more sense to me. Okay. Okay. So since that is the case, um, a dilution of the money supply degrades your ability to claim property. So you have $100. Unless the value of the property also declines with the value or the how much you can buy with your money. True. Yes. But it doesn't. Um, because the amount of property there is, depending on the kind of property you're talking about, doesn't expand. Doesn't proportion, add, proportional to the supply of money. That is so perfectly put. That is, that's exactly right. If Actually, inflation wouldn't be a problem. The infinite printing of money would not be a problem if... The human enterprise, I mean collectively all people on the planet and all governments, all companies, everyone, produced or, or grew the economy at the rate of or exceeding the rate at which we expand the money supply. I think that economy is a very big word. <laughs> like, I think that you, I mean, if we stick to something that is reproducible, um, like, uh, let's say, property in the category of land yeah. and buildings and like a living space so what, what's what's that called a commune a, no 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 um what's another word for where you live like a domicile no 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 <laughs> uh property rates are rising like we usually say property rates are rising and we just we talk, we mean the rate of buying or being able to purchase house so you know what in this context can we just define the property to be um a place where you can live so a home, a, like a, an apartment or a condominium or a bungalow or whatever. Yeah. Okay, cool. So housing property. Yeah. Okay. It, so if going back to the whole thing on um, what you said about inflation, if the amount of development was either matching or exceeding the amount of uh, money that there was in supply, in total supply, then we wouldn't have and any issues being able to claim this housing property with money. Yes, but that also means that everyone in society would have to equally share all the property, and any new money created would have to be equally distributed amongst everyone. But that's not possible. Can we talk about... <laughs> <laughs> that's correct. That's not possible. No, but no, but like that's even, uh, if I were to say, nonsensical to... to think about because we have different currency and different definitions of money in different parts of the world and different ways of living as well when That's it right. comes to like housing properties. So can we just talk about Canada? Yeah, sure. Let's okay. talk about Canada. Cool. So what, what about like, Canada? So housing prices are rises, rising. They are rising. They yes. have been rising um, well for a very long time. I think for as long as I know, but maybe there was a, a dip at least crash the last in decade. Yeah, okay, fine. Okay, cool. In the last decade, the house, the price to buy a house has been increasing in Canada, especially yeah. in major cities. Yes. So, if, and yeah. the amount of money that is in 
the amount of Canadian dollar that is in total supply has also been increasing. That's right. In the past decade, it That's has right. increased. But not everyone owns houses. But not everyone owns houses. And but the money is not being distributed to the people, uh, so, to, to everyone equally. So what we're, not, we're, what we're missing here is the amount that people get paid in the last decade has right. not increased proportional to the amount of money that has increased in its total supply and the rising housing prices. Yeah, and I told my friend this the other day. Um, she had just gotten a raise at work. Uh, and I was congratulations like, to your friend. Yes, congratulations. A raise is very nice to have. Um, you should get one every year. You should get one. Uh, you should get a raise that is equal to or exceeding inflation every year. If you don't, you're making less money than you made the year before. That is how that works. You have you given us a raise? <laughs> Are we getting a raise? We're not getting a raise actually <laughs> oh. because we're getting paid in Bitcoin. Okay, never mind. And the value of Bitcoin is going up much faster than anything else. All right. So, yeah. <laughs> caveat um right so taking canada for example um like you said if uh the hosting prices are rising and they're rising quite quickly they're actually they're rising very quickly what do we have a percentage no we so, don't no it's not it's not going to be accurate but right like over the last decade they've, they've like more range, than doubled though more than doubled more than doubled okay. but so has the monetary supply so when the monetary supply doubles and like assets go up that's that's just actually how that works because people who understand this aspect of inflation understand that they need to get rid of their Canadian dollars basically as fast as possible because holding on to Canadian dollars is the worst way to save money. So, Well, holding yep. any form of fiat has not been a great way of saving money per right. se because it doesn't really grow if, if that's what you want to do when you save. It, yeah, it doesn't grow in purchasing power. In purchasing power, yeah. Yeah, like if you put your fiat in a bank account and you're earning 20% interest on that, then it does grow because you're beating right. inflation. But, but we're talking about cash. We're talking about cash. Yeah. Yeah. So the people that that are most impacted, most negatively impacted by inflation is actually people without assets uh, because yeah. they operate mostly on a cash economy. They live paycheck to paycheck. Most, most times they uh, don't have assets that appreciate in value as fast as the economy is growing. Mm, that is also because they don't have any Canadian dollar left over because their pay hasn't risen as fast as the property prices have risen or the amount of money in total circulation has. That's exactly right, which like the conclusion of this is that inflation is actually one of the biggest drivers of wealth inequality, period. Inflation is one of the biggest drivers of wealth inequality. It makes the wealthy who own assets more wealthy. It makes the non-wealthy who don't have assets more poor. Isn't there a limit though? Like you can't keep inflating a currency forever. I mean, what are the checks and balances that are in place? If we were putting aside the deficit myth of the, the <laughs> yes. gover government never defaulting on its debt, you, I mean, can inflation exist without taking on debt? Uh, no, no, it, it, it can't. Um, why not? Why can't it? So unless you're on a gold-backed system and... Well, unless, well, if you're in a fiat system, like... I mean, we are in a fiat system. So so no, you, you have to take on debt <laughs> in order to inflate the currency. That's just how that works. Can you... Can... can um, of just um, higher economic output, not back the printing of more money? 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, so that is that is a one way. It's just very hard. Yeah, and that, it takes that, time. That is one way out of our current economic situation globally is for us. We would need to we need to expand the economy so fast, so blindingly fast. Like we would need teleportation to if, be invented. No, kind of come on. No, in the sense that I, I see what you're saying there, but you're saying that we would have to uh, expand the economy really fast only to sort of balance the amount of debt that we've taken on to print the amount of money that we have. Correct. And what I'm saying is it's not necessary for that balance to take place with the way that things are going currently. Like, you know, if we were to really plot this in the form of an equation, I'm not really sure, one, if it can be an equal, like if there is any equality there at all, if there is one variable that doesn't have a cap, like, you know, you know, like in a simple equation, let's say um, like four plus X equals five and x is equal to one in this case but if that if that number five is also variable y and that is ever changing in this case it's the total money supply and you can never know how you're balancing that equation because it never can be balanced per se am i making sense you are making sense actually um like if i was to try to distill that down uh, into something uh, a little bit more clear and articulate um, like you can never really know how quickly you're supposed to grow, um, how where exactly to put the wealth. If the the wealth it's uh, the the unit that you're using to measure the wealth is constantly changing. That's true too. Uh, yes, that's true. And also, if you are trying to reduce the amount of debt that you um, have taken on, then you're simply trying to you know, go back to the system that was gold backed, because like when you're gold backed, if you're, when your money is gold backed by any asset, not necessarily gold, but you know, for this example, we will say gold, you have a cap on how much you can expand or grow. It, it kind of grounds you in that sense. It does. And the, the, well, the very reason why we got off the gold standard is because we didn't want that grounding yeah. um, and we wanted to expand at a faster pace. That's right. So with respect to reducing the amount of debt that we have taken on to increase the amount of money in total circulation. You know, like my question is simply why would we want to decrease the amount of debt? Cause then we're just kind of going back to the system or approaching the system that we decided to go off of in the first place. Right. So I would say that the reason why we want to go back to that system is because it's, it's morally and ethically bad for inflation to happen in general because like it makes wealth inequality larger i mean like i, I just go back to that um like mm. if you're holding a dollar and and the in, inflation takes place and they double the monetary the size of the monetary supply the value of your dollar just decreased by half and you, you're still holding one dollar so like in that sense nothing was taken from you but the value of that dollar, fifty, it, it now holds 50% of, of what that dollar um, could previously buy. Uh, that, to me, is the aspect of theft. And I, I'm just fully and completely morally and ethically against that. Um, I don't think expansion justifies that. I don't agree. Yeah, well, no, I so I, I kind of know where I think I was getting at. And okay, it was, apologies. No, 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 it's all good. Um, it's just that inflation cannot 
exist without there being a party that is getting less out of it. And, um, and that's where you're, where you were sitting before is people that don't own any assets and are living paycheck to paycheck and their pay doesn't rise proportional to the amount of money that is being issued in circulation. They are the ones that suffer the most because, well, what can they do? What control do they have over the inequality that is taking place on a very large scale, on a nationwide scale. Right. And the, you can't have growth without um, that the amount of time and money it takes for growth to be taken out of somebody else's um, variable or, or life for uh, that matter. Uh, no, I, I think I disagree. If I'm understanding you correctly, um, uh, like we're, you just kind of described a, uh, a zero-sum game? No, that's. I don't know if I described a zero-sum game, but I'm referring to that um, newspaper cutout that we were talking about once with our team, mm-hmm. our team, I think. And it was just that, like, there's no free ticket. There's no free ride. Like, every everything has, has a cost has a cost associated with it. There's nothing that is free. Right. And so if we're, you know, quote unquote, getting free money, it's because we are either borrowing for the, from the future. And in this case, if we're talking about inflation, then inflation doesn't just mean like more money. It means money that is um, not worked for or money that is taken out of the hands of in terms of time yep. um, from people that don't own assets. That's correct. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to get at, or that's what I was saying. Well, I think you put it quite nicely there. So, well, this is where the whole inflationist theft sort of comes in, because like inflation cannot exist without that amount of energy being taken from some other place. Right, because money is stored energy or stored time. Yeah. And so when the value of your dollar goes down, the value of the dollars in your bank account goes down, your time and energy is being stolen. Yeah. Like, don't think about it in terms of, of, of money. <laughs> think about it in terms of your time and your energy because like, I feel like... When and I'm, your effort and your work output. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that resonates with people uh, like a little bit more than money does because some people, well, I don't care about money, whatever. I'll just work more for it. But look, you've got a finite amount of time on this planet. Yeah. And if you put in hours at, uh, at some job that maybe you don't even like, maybe you do like it, maybe you don't. It's irrelevant actually. Um, the process of, of inflation steals the time that you've put in in the past. And, and that sucks. I don't like that. So I like equality. I love equality. I, um, and I'm going to tell you a more equal system th- that, uh, than, than a, a system wherein inflation exists. I'm going to tell you about a system where inflation um, does not exist as such. Uh, and that is, that is Bitcoin. Um, so with respect, Hold on. Okay. Hold on. Just wait. Okay. Just wait. All right. <laughs> With respect to Bitcoin, Bitcoin equally doesn't steal from anyone. Okay. Uh, yeah. It, it is completely equal. It treats everyone equally in the sense that it doesn't take, it doesn't inflate the value of the Bitcoin that is already in your pocket, already in your wallet. Okay. You've got such a smirk (laughs) on your face. What's up? It's just that the way that you went from, you know, one discussion of equality to another discussion of equality reminded me of what, uh, what 
the back cover of Animal Farm said, and it was oh. <laughs> all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Yeah, that's funny. That's I don't think it's quite related to how no? I jump from one thing to the other, but okay. I love that quote. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you just said that you you. I mean, you said that I I want to tell you or I want to talk about a more equal system. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I did say that. <laughs> now. Uh, the system that we're, we came from or the system that we're in now with inflation existing, that's actually not equal at all. Okay. So I misspoke. Thank you for, for <laughs> correcting me there. I'm just going to tell you about an equal system in general, actually, uh, a system where no one is stolen from, period. Do you think that we can ever exist, like our society can ever function properly or cohesively in a system that is designed to not steal from anyone? Yeah, we did it, actually. Um, in, Maybe like on large scale? Or yeah, in the late 19th century, we were on a gold standard. And in that period of time, the uh, the average living wage of uh, a household, um, and I don't know whether or not this is globally, because we were on a global uh, gold standard. I'm not sure if this is globally or just with respect to North America. The statistics are probably, that I'm quoting, is probably centered around one area rather than more than one or rather than globally. But uh, like more wealth was, was uh, living wages increased faster than any other period in time of history. The price of goods fell, which like an economist today would say that's a bad thing because it harm, harms companies because they're selling it for less. Um, but in, they're, they're actually, if they're denominated in gold, that's what you want. you want. You want the prices of things to become cheaper. You want people's wages to go up. That creates more wealth in general, that that increases the ability for the average family to, to accumulate more things generally. Um, and by things, I kind of, uh, what was, is it Maslow's hierarchy? Like, if you're taking care of your things, you start with food, you start with your basic needs, food, water, shelter, then you move up from there. And uh, like, if we're coming from the 17th and 18th century, most people didn't have anything, including food, <laughs> like, right, like famines were like, oh, I wonder if we're going to have a famine in five years. That was a reasonable thing to think. And now it's just like, that's not even a question. Um, this all happened under the gold standard. And, and there's a book for this. It's called The Gold Wars. And I'm going to read it. And then we can have another episode <laughs> on gold. I haven't read it yet. This is all from like podcasts well, I'm stuff. just I just wanted to put out there that famines do still happen. But they they'd, we just, they'd, they're not talked about as much because there's more things to distract um, an average individual. But famines have been happening. Famines never stopped happening. If anything, they're probably going to grow in the future. I think that they will grow in the future, which is really unfortunate. And there, there will also be ways to con uh, to conquer it or um, find a way to uh, genetically modify some species of plants that we can survive on during the period of time that um, growth is going to be difficult. Yes. Uh, for for plants and not plants, but uh, what what food? Food, yeah. some types of foods. Um, so I did have a question. Yeah. And uh, that question is, how does this relate back to property rights? Oh, uh, because Bitcoin respects property rights. Um, no, but how is, you know, the whole conversation that we had about inflation related to property rights? Uh, be because your time is your property. And your energy is your property. Your body... I, I would maintain that your body is the most fundamental piece of property you have. I like I would it's possible to go one layer deeper, right? Your mind and your thoughts. Um, but I would I would feel comfortable extending that to your body because like I don't like slavery. So uh, yeah, if your body and therefore your time and energy are yours, fundamentally yours and only yours, um, you should have 
the utmost say on how your time is dictated, how you spend your time, how you spend your energy. Uh, now, a lot of the human enterprise has been about how do we store energy and how do we store time? How do we harness more energy? Uh, like from the beginning of time and civilization, that has been the goal or the mission uh, of humans. Like one of the first things we did was build grain silos and we did irrigation so that we could store food. Food is just energy, right? And what, like if we store enough food this, this, this year time, then next year we might not need to make as much food and we can spend time building the wheel, right? What's the wheel going to allow us to do? It's going to allow us to save time and energy because I no, no, no longer need to walk and I know, and I can actually get to my destination twice as quick or three times as quick. So the entire human enterprise is how do we harness more energy? How do we store energy and time best into the future? And as we've covered in, in the past, like that's what Bitcoin is. Uh, Bitcoin is the mechanism, or that's what money is in general. The optimal money is supposed to store energy and time, um, and uh, transport it through time and space optimally into the future. I'm like muddying <laughs> this a little bit um, because, like, it's it's so multifaceted. But like, maybe maybe you should chime in and, and get me back on track here. I think it's um, money is the. Um the thing that helps us transfer value through space and time. Yeah. So money is value transfer through space and time. Yes, absolutely. So the way that this relates back to, to property rights is Bitcoin respects your property rights. It's built right into the, the protocol I'm just to, gonna, to respect the most fundamental property right you have, which is your time and I'm energy. I'm going to put it right here and say that I don't think Bitcoin cares particularly it just sort of exists and people have we have not necessarily you know people but we um as people that believe in bitcoin and others that believe in bitcoin have sought after this trait that it inherently possesses and offers to the world for those who are willing to capitalize on it yes i love the way that you take the things that i say and then say them better <laughs> it's some of the time some of the time yes it's quite nice actually because like i'll say like a really like short sentence that you're like wait there's like all of these <laughs> situations that don't apply to it and you're like you could use that word here and this word there but yes that i, I love the way that you you just put that like bitcoin is a system that happens to embody the things that we like about it and uh, that that we want to have in be a part of our money. That are lacking more so. Bitcoin solves a problem that a lot of people around the world are facing. And there's many aspects of a solution that Bitcoin offers that applies to different people around the planet. Yeah. And in general, Bitcoin doesn't care if you adopt it or not. Um, it's honestly just the people that are making it go on because people get value out of it. Yes, uh, absolutely. And, and so... Like going back to wealth inequality just for a moment, uh, like I think wealth inequality happens because of a um, disrespect for property rights. And uh, like, I don't know how to solve wealth inequality. I think it's a problem that needs to be solved. I don't know how to solve it, but I know how to not make it any worse than it already is. Okay. Right. That's like we we implement Bitcoin as soon as possible or at least a gold standard. But I think we should probably go go to Bitcoin. I think it's going to be some sort of solution that um, we haven't seen yet or figured out yet or even seen the possibility of because all of these solutions that are proposed 
sound really good in theory, but in practice, also in implementation, are going to be uh, just, I think, something different, especially when central bank digital currencies come about and we have depending on the the protocol rules that are in the central bank digital currency, we may even have less right over what we can do with our fiat if it continues to be fiat. So we'll see what happens in the future and hopefully it'll be close to what um, gives us the freedom to use money and have complete ownership over it. Yeah, totally. I, I agree with all of that. So have we covered all of your points on property rights yeah i think that we have um that like the the one point that we didn't cover is just like what is the proper role of government which i think is a really relevant topic uh to to, to just touch on like we don't oh have my to get gosh too keegan deep. what do you mean by touch on that's like opening a can <laughs> of worms and then staring at it and then leaving the room that the can of worms is in um, knowing that you have to go back to it at some point okay yeah that's true <laughs> um true should like should we I mean, it's another five minutes. <laughs> okay, what do you have to say? The, the, I mean, okay, so I, I definitely think that our governments have gotten too much, too big, too too much power. They have a little bit too much power right now. Um, as I'm, I'm not speaking specifically about one country in particular. I am actually generalizing um, across across the earth, across across the world and this might why not... do you think that yeah. they possess too much power what is leading you to believe that they do because I, well i think that's because I, i'm i'm a libertarian uh, like or i have liber- are you labeling yourself as a <laughs> i just did it okay. and like now i'm regretting it <laughs> but you can just white that just put white out on it i don't think podcasts scratch work it like out that. well you can just i don't know like i really don't like labels, although yeah. we we call ourselves Bitcoiners, so it's it's a nuance. But anyway, you, let's just scratch that out. Okay. What, what I, do you believe in? What I meant to say is that uh, well, I did mean to say that, but <laughs> what what I believe in is smaller government. I I, I think that societies work optimally when uh, when the government actually respects um, respects property rights. So what I mean by that is they are there to enforce property rights. They're there to set the rules. So back to the begin, the very beginning of this conversation, they're there to set the rules and they're there to enforce them. And beyond that, all other laws, all other reasonable laws um, can, can stem from that. Uh, and that's, that's kind of my belief in the role of government. So they're not really necessarily supposed to step in and seize funds. They're not necessarily supposed to um, take from one group and give to another or take from one individual and give to another uh, because then you're you're implementing quite a lot of subjectivity there uh, with respect to who you take from and who you give to. And when you exercise the power to do that. And when you exercise the power to do that because, look, we've got governments. I, I like democracy for the most part. Uh, I don't think democracy, we've said this before, but democracy is an illusion. It just really cannot exist. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's the best worst system that we have. Um, but so we've got a, a more or less a two political. I don't think you can say it's the best worst system that we can have. It's, I think democracy is the best worst system. An, there's a nuance to, to that as well. But sorry, go. I'm just saying that the word democracy, the way that we know and define it, it just doesn't exist. Yeah, it's kind of detached from the point I'm, I'm trying to make. Sorry. So, yeah, no, no problem. Um, we've got a two-party system, right? We've got liberals and conservatives, or we've got Republicans and Democrats. Like, regardless of, of where... Yeah, go on. 
I thought that there were more parties than two. I know that they are like the two there uh, are, but major like, for all parties. And okay. Yeah, like those are basically the the only two. Like in Canada, we have the NDP, and they've held the minority government once. Um, we've got the Green Party. We've got the Bloc Quebecois. In the United States, you can be independent, and I'm sure there's other parties as well. But none of them have the ability to seize power or or go and get power through a democratic process, which, to your point, it makes de democracy kind of an illusion. <laughs> um, now, regardless of where you stand politically, uh, which end of the spectrum you fall on, uh, you do not want the government to have the power to seize funds and redistribute them at their discretion. Because right now, the liberals are in power, but tomorrow, the conservatives might be in power. And if you're a liberal, do you really want the conservatives with that power? Like, you can't have your cake and eat it too in, in this particular instance. Like, you don't get to say, well, the liberals get to decide. Because the rules stay the same no matter what party is in power. Exactly. So, like, let's not have rules that can be abused by either party. Uh, like, even if that rule can end up doing some good, I think that good can be achieved through other means. Like, I don't think that the government needs to be the party or the entity that takes from one and gives to another. I Like, we actually used to have a system of philanthropism. Uh, philanthropism? <laughs> That's a tough word. Um, I don't think it's a word. That we, is a word. Yeah, okay. We had a system of philanthropy. We had a system of uh, socially enforced altruism. We had a system. There's actually a word for this in uh, in Greece. I, not, I forget it right now. Um, it was in Daylight Robbery. But uh, they described a system wherein like the wealthiest of the people had to... I forget why they had to, but it was because socially enforced. I, I, I remember that, yeah, the the society would sort of reject them yeah. um, on a on a social level, and in order to avoid that rejection, and in in I don't know, sometimes probably even in fear of facing that rejection, there was a responsibility that the wealthier class of people in in what ancient Greece, whatever yeah. level of Greece, they had to do good for the people that didn't own as much as they did or didn't have possess as much wealth as they did. Yeah, absolutely. And that's that's the model of society that I would rather live in um, rather than having the government be the party that, that takes from one distributes to another um, or like a, an entity that has that power. Like that makes me uncomfortable because history will show that that that, that power is abused, not necessarily by the party in power now but by parties in the future. Yeah, but even the thing that you're saying about that's the sort of society I would like to exist in, it's mm -hmm. not necessary that everybody who has um, more wealth than, um, you know, uh, I guess a large group of people is going to use that for altruistic purposes. Correct. And what when they don't? What when they capitalize on the wealth that they already possess to accumulate more wealth instead of giving it back? Um, to society in some way, shape, or form. And that is a discussion for another time and <laughs> okay. not related to this particular <laughs> topic that we discussed in the episode, but yeah. Well, yeah, that that's more of a discussion on wealth inequality, right? And I, like I mean, a lot of things, not just wealth inequality. It's also, it just kind of brings in the social responsibility that people may or may not possess or that we think people must possess. There's just a lot of 
should this be the case? Would this be the case? Does this need to be the case? Because this is not something that can be enforced or should even be a, a rule set of, you know, in any way, shape or form. Like we don't need to have rules that if you have this much wealth, then you must do good with it because then what does good entail? Or you can only have this much and if you accumulate any more than that, we're going to take it. Like that's another rule that can be possible. I think that that is trying to be enforced though. But I, again, it's I like... All in all, it's the system that we currently have in place that can be um, taken advantage of based on where where you started off and, you know, like what your life journey has been. Again, something that is uh, sort of related, but kind of unrelated on the whole to this whole discussion that we had in this episode. Yeah. So do you have any parting thoughts on property rights and, and your, um, I guess journey into the rabbit hole of learning more about it I, I think i just want to offer a disclaimer uh, honestly like i don't have any parting thoughts i think uh it's a difficult topic to lay out and i think that we did the best job that we could i love the way that you stop and uh, stop me and probe me for for questions and, and whatnot and um yeah i i did my best i'm not an expert at this i'm not an economist uh, all I, i'm just like someone who's really really interested in uh people's well-being honestly like i i want people to to have more means to take care of themselves than they did when they woke up this morning when they go to bed i want them to have a greater ability uh to care for themselves and their family why do you care why do i care yeah about the general people because that'll benefit me <laughs> um if, okay yeah if people are better able to take care of themselves then they're better able to take care of their society then they're better and i'm part of society and so therefore i get i get taken care of better like if people are able to maslow's hierarchy if people are able to feed themselves then they can start working on other enterprises they can build a teleportation machine they can build a hyper efficient way to leave the planet they can build a hyper efficient um like an infinite energy device they can figure out a way to stop logging companies from destroying the rainforest like you got to take care of your basic needs right now, but wealth inequality is stopping that. Stopping, it's, it's making it really difficult for people to take care of their basic needs. Food, water, shelter. Shelter in particular in Canada is becoming very difficult for our generation to acquire for themselves. And that's, that's really bad. That's like where that ends up is not good. And I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to, yeah, sorry. Small rant. My disclaimer is that uh, thank you for listening um i can be wrong i'm open to being wrong i'm probably wrong about a lot of things my um, definitions of like socialism and communism there's probably a billion of them and like send them to us because we need more definitions so that we can round off our understanding of the things that we're talking about well i'm gonna add to that with like a small asterisk and this is something that i took away from matthew mcconaughey's book green lines and it really is sticking with me and i tried i think a bit about it a lot and it's um, so matthew mcconaughey is in in a country in africa and he's having this conversation with two other people and uh, i won't go into the details and spoil the book for you in case you wanted to listen to it but in this argument matthew says to one of them saying you are correct i side with you to which that person responds um to quite a shock to matthew mcconaughey saying that it's not whether or not i'm correct it's not whether like who's right who's wrong it's about do you understand do you understand and it you know you just said that you could be wrong you want to be wrong and tell me if i'm wrong and 
you, you for the same things that you've laid out in this episode someone could think you're wrong someone could think you're right someone could just not have an opinion but that's not the point the point is that do we understand each other yeah if we have opposing views and there can be more than two opposing views um well what do we do in order to grow and expand the way that our minds think about things the question really is how can we better understand each other and communicate with each other so whatever we have discussed in this episode if you have uh, things that you want to say but if you have your own set of opinions and perspectives bring them to us so that we can better understand each other and that i would say is the goal at the end of the day that's a beautiful place to start. Or sorry, stop. stop. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the next episode. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. We hope to hear from you um, about this episode and any other. And uh, stay tuned for the next one. <laughs>